I like that song. I've never heard it. It's a wonderful song of saying what we believe. I hope that you all, all of you believe each of those things that we just sung about. It's a really good song, old song. Well, it's good to see all of you here today, and I am excited about what God is going to teach us. So as we start off this morning, let's begin by seeking him in prayer. Dear God, we come to you this morning so thankful for your goodness, so thankful for your love for us, so thankful for your provision. Lord, we need you every single day. And so, Lord, today, as we open your word, we pray that you would teach us and that we might learn of you, that we might know of your character and of your goodness, and, Lord, that we might learn from these historical events, knowing that you still provide and take care of your people. So be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, I have a sword drill. Can you put your swords up? The reference is... Philippians 4.19. Can you say that with me? Philippians 4.19. Charge! Very good. Did you all hear that? You've got all get there yet? Philippians 4:19 says, "But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus." There's a lot in that verse. Do we need things? Do we need food? Do we need help? Do we need peace? Is it me or is things getting quieter? You know, everybody said they needed food, but we need lots of things, don't we? We need, really, we need everything. And this verse makes a promise to us as Christians that he will supply all your need. Now, this comes right after Paul, the Apostle Paul, who God used to write this letter to the Philippians, is thanking them for sending to help him so he could buy food and so that he could um, pay the people that um, were guarding him under house arrest because you had to pay for your own guards. You had to feed them. And um, things like that. And he was thanking them for sending and providing for his needs. And then he goes on to say, and by the way, God will provide for all your needs, your physical needs, all your needs. And this is done, ah, oh, it's according to his riches and glory. Did you know that God owns everything? All the riches that everybody else thinks they own, he owns it all. And, and not just the ones that are on the earth and the physical ones, but all of them in glory too. And he is able to accomplish all this. He does this through and he accomplishes and meets our needs by Christ Jesus. Have you ever needed something? No? Nobody's ever needed anything? We just so often have all of our needs supplied, don't we? We live in such affluence, don't we? That it's sometimes it's easy for us to forget a very important truth. 
And that is that God provides. God provides. Did you know we need him to provide every single day? So often in our lives, we go through life and we take care of ourselves, don't we? But we need to be reminded that it's God who provides. And so now take your Bibles and turn back to 2 Kings where we've been studying. 2 Kings chapter 4. We have been learning about Elisha, haven't we? And there are some people who have been with him. And today we're going to learn about a particular family. And uh, it's kind of a sad story here today. You see, we learned before about these, these sons of the prophets. You guys remember the sons of the prophets? The sons of the prophets, I forget all of you over there can't see, so I'll, have to try, I'll try, to, try to follow my own rules and draw from the side. The, the uh, sons of the prophets were students, in some ways, of Elisha and Elijah. And um, they were scattered in different places throughout the land. There were different schools that were throughout the land. And it wasn't just uh, single young men, it was families. And today we're going to learn about one particular family. A, a happy family. They had a mother and a father. The father was one of the sons of the prophets. And um, they all was well. But sadly, one day... The daddy died. And he left a widow and two orphan boys. But you know, he left them something else. He left them a debt. Do you know what a debt is? It means that he owed someone a lot of money. And this was really sad. You see, they had a house. But see, the house wasn't really theirs. It, it was owned by the creditor who had loaned them this money. And, um, and you know what? With these two boys, they... they, <laughs> they you would think would have a happy childhood, right? But there's, there's kind of a sad problem because this creditor showed up one day and um, he comes to the widow woman and these boys, and I don't know if he was a big man, but I'm going to draw him as if he was a big man. And... Uh, He comes and he says, I am owed 
a debt, and you need to pay this debt. But the widow woman, she couldn't pay the debt. Uh, she had nothing. How could she pay this debt? And so the creditor said, if you cannot pay the debt, I'm going to take your two sons as bondmen, as slaves. And they're going to work for me until all the money is paid back. How many of you would like to be those two little boys? How many of you would like to be this widow woman? She can't pay. She doesn't have anything. And here he is demanding payment or else he's going to take her two sons. Now this might be foreign to you, but this was actually not foreign to them. And in fact, it kind of still happens today. You say, no, that doesn't happen. Well, no, not with the children. But let me tell you how it happens. In the Proverbs, God tells us that the borrower is servant to the lender. That is a very important truth that no matter, whenever you are faced with the situation, whether you are being forced into it with medical bills or things like that, or when you're going out to buy a car or when you're just wanting to buy that coffee on the credit card, recognize that if you have a choice and you go into debt, you are making a choice to be a servant. And it may not be a guy standing over you like this, but it is in a way. All that debt you have to pay off, you work and work and work and work and work and work to repay that debt. It is still a servitude. You are the servant to the lender. And in this situation, it was the case, but now the, the happy family, which now is not a happy family not anymore because he has died he may be resting in peace but they're not they're in debt they have a big problem and here in second kings chapter 4 it tells us that there was this woman and she was married to one of the sons of the prophet and he wants to come and take her boys away. Now, I'll take this moment. We have some family Bible readings and we have them for 2 Kings chapters 1 through 13 um, ready for you. And uh, there's several back there at the Welcome Center, but um, I didn't print enough for everyone because I know not all of you are going to do them, and some of, them, uh, some of you might get them from downloaded on the internet. But I'm going to pass around a sign-up sheet, and if you can just mark your family's name down and how many copies you'd like printed, I will be happy to print them for you. And in the Family Bible reading for this week, there's one little section that's a meat level question. See, with three different kinds of questions in each family Bible reading. Milk level, bread level, and meat level. And the meat level are the hardest ones. But that doesn't mean that a lot of you can't do it. I'm thinking of you, Faith and Elijah. And maybe you, Hopi. I think 
even little kids can do some of the meat level questions. One of the questions this week has to do with the Old Testament laws regarding servanthood and repayment of debts. Did you know that God regulated this very situation and in some ways allowed for what this man is doing? Now, we don't know who this man was. We don't know if this man is an Israelite. That's a big key problem here because if he is an Israelite, then he is very much bound by the law of Moses. Now, he might be bound by it, but as we found out in so many other things, nobody seems in this time of history to pay much attention to the laws. That's one reason why it was so important for the sons of the prophets and their ministry was to teach the law and to remind people to go back to the law. So this man here is coming and it's legitimate for him to be looking to take this one who is in debt and require this one who is in debt to work to pay off the debt. That was legal and appropriate. Now the question is, is he going to treat these boys as slaves? Or is he going to treat them as hired workers? Because in the law, it stipulated very clearly that it was a big deal how you treated them. Because just because they owed you money and just because they were going to work for you to pay that money back didn't mean you could be cruel to them. Didn't mean you could be mean to them. You had to treat them as a hired servant. Is that what the situation is here? I don't know. Nonetheless, I don't know how old these boys are. I've drawn them as children. Perhaps they're teenagers. I don't know. But this has really disrupt their mother. And so what do you think she is going to do? Well, you know, there's a man we all have met before. And um, his name is... Elisha. You guys all know who Elisha is? Elisha is a prophet of God. And so this widow woman, she goes to Elisha. And she is distraught. She comes to him weeping and very upset. What's going to happen to her boys? And she says to Elisha, she says, she cried to Elisha, thy, thy servant, my husband, she says, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take away, take, take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. Poor Elisha. What would you have done if some lady comes to you and brings you this kind of a problem? Well, he sees her problem and he asks her, what shall I do for thee? What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, thine handmaiden hath not anything. In the house, save a pot of oil. She doesn't have anything. All she has is some oil. 
This reminds me of a story in my wife's family. Some of you may not know this, but did you know that Mr. Chu, Evelyn's father, when he was a teenage boy, was left fatherless? His father died when he was a teenager. He was killed by a drunk driver in a foreign land, actually. Their family had moved. He had a job on site in a foreign land, not their homeland. And um, Mr. Chu was just 13 years old when his father was killed. And his father was left with debts. And um, he had life insurance. Hope the life insurance, you would cover your debts, right? Well, there were some caveats and problems. And because he was killed by a drunk driver, the life insurance company said, we're not paying out. They refused to pay out on it. And so you know what? The creditors came. And Mr. Chu can tell stories of when they came. And in Brunei, the land where they were living at the time, there was a law that when someone was in debt and you came and collected the collateral, you could take whatever you wanted. But you had to leave one chair and one table. And on that day when the creditors came, when he was just 13 years old, they took everything. The refrigerator, the food in the refrigerator, everything. And all they left them that day was one chair and one table. You'll have to hear his story from himself as he shares stories of the very lessons we're learning today about how God provided for them. This creditor may have done the very same thing, and what? He missed a jar, a pot of oil. And so she tells Elisha, all I have is a pot of oil. So he tells her, you go, you take your sons, and you go to all of your neighbors, and you borrow of them all pots. Now, you might think, wait a minute, Elisha. Her problem is that she's already in debt. Now you're going to go make her go into more debt? No. If you look at the word here, specifically used for borrow, it's more along the concept and the idea of borrowing and begging someone to help you and to loan you something. Something like a friend would give you um, <clears throat> in uh, something that like a friend would loan you just because you were a friend. And um, so he says, go and, and go to all of your neighbors and borrow of them pots. Now you might say, what, what are they going to do with all those pots? Well, they did it. They obeyed Elisha. And they went and they went to all of their neighbors and they collected all kinds of pots. Big pots and little pots. Weird-shaped pots, round pots, all kinds of pots they collected. And they brought them back to their house. And um, when they had these pots all together, what are they going to do with them? Well, so they went to Elisha. And Elisha said, take the pots and take your little pot of oil that you already have and... Um, Start filling the pots. So they did that. They went to all of their neighbors, and when they went to their neighbors, they asked of their neighbors for pots, and they borrowed all kinds of pots. Now, are any of you thinking what the plan is here? We're going to get all kinds of pots, and then we're going to take one little pot 
of oil, and we're going to fill all these other pots up with oil. How many of you does that make sense to? Does that make sense to any of you? In fact, that sounds like a really crazy idea. Why would I even bother to try it? Why would I even bother to go to my neighbors and beg them, beg them for pots? This is a crazy idea. Or is it? You see, it's interesting here that even in the midst of the need and all of this, God has them do things. He has them working. They go, they gather all of those pots and they bring them back to their house. And um, what are they going to do with them? Well, let's just imagine that the creditors left them their table. And they start gathering pots. Here, check out this pot right here. This one's a creative pot. You think that the one little that that one little pot that she has you think can fill that pot up? You guys all know how pots work, right? Let's just imagine she's holding here her little pot of oil. You think that pot is going to fill up that pot? How many of you think it will? Wow, you guys are weird. That's a crazy notion. Wait, let's just draw another pot here. You think that maybe um, that can fill up this one? Or let's just draw another one here. Well, we got to draw all kinds of pots. Let's draw a weird pot here. That looks like a cool pot. I think that looks like a cool pot. You know why I draw it weird? Because I can't draw pots. <laughs> There's another one. And let's put some pots up here on the table. Let's do one here that's uh, like a pitcher. Put a little handle on it. Yeah, see? All kinds of pots. And, and all shapes and sizes. And tell me, do you think that she's going to be able to fill up all these pots with that one little pot of oil? That doesn't work, does it? When you pour the oil out of the pot, it's gone, right? Right? So how is she going to fill up all those pots with her one little pot of oil? Well, she's not going to be able to unless God makes some oil. And you know what? 
she took that little pot of oil and she filled this one up with oil and she filled this one up with oil and it was still full of oil. Her pot was. And she filled this one and then she filled this one and 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 she says to her son, are there any more pots? And he said, no, that's it. That's the last one. And then the oil stayed. It just kept flowing and flowing and flowing. And this wasn't some magic trick that was connected to some hose that was connected to some tank of oil out back. No, no, no. This was just a single little pot of oil that just kept flowing and flowing and flowing. She comes back to Elisha. She says, we've done as you've said. Now what do we do? And he says, go take that oil and sell it. Go pay your debt and live you and your sons on that which remains. And so they took all those pots and they went and sold it. And she was able then to go back to this creditor and was able to give him his money and pay the debt and then was able to live. You know what? This again teaches us that God, what's the next word? Provides. Who provides? God provides. And that's exactly what happened on this day. Elisha said, you and your children may have rest. Well, if we keep on in this chapter, we learn that the next account is about the Shunammite woman. We learned about her two weeks ago, remember? When she showed great hospitality towards Elisha, and we saw God provide there in that case, life! Raised her little son, or actually turned her from barren to a mother of a child. And then when the child died, God used Elisha to raise him from the dead. And then we continue on this chapter, and, and we come to verse 38. And it tells us that Elisha came again to Gilgal. It's one of the towns there in the central part of Israel. And there was a dearth in the land. Micaiah, do you know what a dearth is? No? Shalom, do you know what a dearth is? No? How about this? Elijah, Elisha, Micaiah, do you know what a famine is? No? How about you, Shalom? Do you know what a famine is? What is it? Where nothing grows. There's no food. Well, a dearth is like a famine. A dearth means that nothing's growing. Nothing is growing. And this is in Gilgal. This is a region that is supposed to be prosperous. Well, so Elisha comes here, and he knows good and well that there is a dearth. He knows that there is no food. But with the knowing this, he says to the sons of the prophets who were there, come and um, take the pot and um, put it on the fire and um, fill it with water that it may 
seethe. Now, you might be saying, wait a minute, Elisha. There is no food that we're going to be able to put into this fire. But that didn't seem to bother Elisha. He says, fill the pot with with water that it may seethe. That's boil. Because why? We're going to make food. But um, Elisha, there is no food. But nonetheless, the sons of the prophets did just that. They obeyed Elisha, and they put the pot on, and they filled it with water, and it began so that it could boil. Now, I wonder, Elisha, you know there's a famine, so why are you doing this? What's, what's going on? What's he going to put in the pot? Now, imagine some of you, mom says, go put the pan on the stove and fill it with water so it can start to boil because we're going to make spaghetti. We're going to make pasta and cheese. Now, what would you think if mom said that and you knew there was no pasta in the house? You knew there was nothing that could make pasta in the house. What would you think of your mom? Now, here's a bigger question. Would you obey? Virgil has an opinion. Oh, Amazon's going to deliver it in a minute. No Amazon in this day. No. No food delivery services on this day. But they did it. They filled the pot with water that it would start to seethe. And then there was this guy who went out into the field and um, he began to look for food. And he came across a wild vine. And there, with that wild vine, he found a, 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 a gourd, some gourds in there. And so... He began to pick up these gourds that he found um, in this wild vine. And, and he picked up all those gourds and he had his robe and he filled his whole lap full of them. Found a lot of them, yeah. Everybody back at camp, back at the place where the sons of the prophets are, they're going to be so excited to get all this food. And so he brought it back and he started shredding it into the pot found food to put in your pot, Elisha. So they started to fill that pot up with all these gourds and to boil them. And then they all sat down and um, they were going to eat this food. In fact, they um, dished it out for everybody. Dished it out for everybody to eat this delicious, delicious porridge, right? But um, you know what? As they were enjoying that food, 
they weren't enjoying it because one of the men cried out and said, Oh, man of God, there is death in the pot. Death. in the pot. You know what that means? It's poisonous. All those gourds, apparently, that they had found were poisonous. No wonder why no one had eaten them. No wonder why he found a whole patch, enough to fill the whole pot with them. They were poisonous. And here all these people are going to eat this, but there is death in the pot. Well, what's Elisha going to do about this? What's he going to do about this? They cry out, O thou man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat thereof. But he says, bring me meal. Now apparently they must have had a little bit of grain. Meal is like a barley grain or a wheat grain that was... There and they must have had a little bit. Maybe they had a little bit that they were saving so that when the dearth was over, they would have some seeds to plant. Maybe that's what it was. And why they had it and weren't eating it. Because you know that's my question I have. Is that so if you if you have this pot seething and you have you have grain, why don't you just put the meal in there and eat yourself some meal? I don't know. I suspect that the reason why they went looking for this is because that meal they had to save. So that when the dearth was over, they would have someplace, something to plant and grow more food. But there's death in the pot. He doesn't seem to be faced. Bring me, bring me some meal. They brought him some meal. And Elisha took that meal. And you know what he did with it? He put it in that pot. And you know what it says here? When he put it and cast it into the pot, he said, Pour out for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. Started off, there is death in the pot. Now there is no harm in the pot. Do you think that Elisha was able to do that of his own power? No. Here again is an example that God... provides. God provides. No longer death in the pot. It's all good. Well, there's still a food problem. Another food problem. And um, it tells us here that there's this man who comes from Baal Shishiel. It's a region up there further north. And he brings to the man of God bread of the first fruits. So apparently the dearth is passing in some regions. Not in this region, but in another region. The, the dearth is passing, and he's bringing to the man of God first fruits. 
And he brings 20 loaves of barley. Now, I don't think these were loaves in the way that we think of them. We, these were loaves that were little, little personal-sized loaves. And he brings 20 of those to him, and he brings to him full ears of corn. Corn is starting to come, and he brings him the, whole, the full ears of it. The husk, it's still in the husk. And he brings this, and he gives this to Elisha. Now, what's Elisha going to do with this? Well, there's a hundred men standing around. And he says, feed those men with this food. And then the people look at him and say, this, them? It's not going to go around. <laughs> that's, that's not going to work. He, the, the, the servitor says, what, what, what should I set this before a hundred men? And Elisha says, give to the people that they may eat. For thus saith the Lord, they shall eat and shall leave thereof. That means they're going to eat, they're going to be full, and there's going to be leftovers. They're going to leave of it. There's going to be leftovers. And so that's exactly what happened. They set it before them, and they did eat and left thereof according to the word of the Lord. God provided them here with this food, safety, and help. And then when food came in that was sparse, God multiplied it. And you know, this is just a foreshadowing. This here, 20 personal-sized loaves of barley fed 100 men. Remember a little boy who came with five loaves and two fishes? That was his lunch, five loaves and two fishes for one little boy. See, this was just supposed to be like a day's meal for Elisha, and it turned into food for 100 people. Remember in the days of Jesus? Jesus took that little offering, and he multiplied it for thousands of people. And there was food left over. Indeed, God provides. Well, there's another account that we learn about in all of this that teaches us that God provides. Turn with me over to chapter 6. For we have the sons of the prophets, and they have a problem. The particular place where they are living They've decided it's too small, too small. Now, imagine a modern-day seminary or Bible school, and they need more space. What do they do? Well, we won't talk about what they do nowadays. Let's just talk about what these guys did. Interestingly, they come to Eli Elisha with this problem. They come to him, and they say to him, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. We're cramped in, it's narrow, it's too small. There's not enough room for all of us. So they say, let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make a place there where we may dwell. So what they're proposing here, picture this in modern-day Bible school, they need to build a building. And so what do they all do? They all get together, and they go, and they're going to build it themselves. They're going to go down to the Jordan. They're going to cut down trees. Wow, they don't even just go to the lumber store. They're going to cut down the trees all the way to the beginning. They're going to find beams. And they're, going to, they're proposing that they build bigger and better houses. And so Elisha says, go ye. Go ye. And one says to him, be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. Come with us. And he answered, I will go. And he went with them. And they came to Jordan, and they cut down wood. Now, there was one guy who on this day was cutting wood. 
And um, he was a poor guy. Seems like these sons of the prophets have poor running in their, in their um, um, tradition. Um, don't know why. Maybe it's because they go into debt. I said that kind of as a joke, but it is a problem. It's not a solution. But this guy was so poor that um, he, with his axe, he didn't even have an axe. This is a poor axe, isn't it? So he had to borrow an axe. So he cut down his tree and he could make a beam to build his house. And um, he's chopping, chopping, chopping away at a tree there right near the Jordan River. And as he's hacking away at this tree and chopping one of his swings, he goes back like this. And all of a sudden, when he comes back, he comes fast. And the axe head is gone. You know what happened to it? When he went swinging back for another blow, the axe head fell off. And it went flying. <whistles> Blip. Into the Jordan River. And it wasn't just on the edge. It went flying into the Jordan River. And he's, alas, 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 he says. It's, it was borrowed. He didn't have enough, to, he didn't even own an axe. And he didn't have enough money to buy an axe. And so he borrowed an axe and now it's gone. Well, according to the law, that if you borrow a tool and it's lost or broken, you're responsible to replace it. He didn't have enough money to buy an axe in the first place. How is he going to have enough to replace it? Alas, master, he says to Elisha. Alas, for it was borrowed. It wasn't like you could just write it off and go on. And so the man of God, he comes to him and says, Where fell it? And they all show him the place there in the Jordan River. Over there. Over there. They showed him the place. And Elisha, he cuts down a stick. And you might be thinking, I know what he's going to do. That's smart. That's what I would do. I'd get a stick and I'd get down in there and I'd try to pull it out. Right? Well, that's not what Elisha does with his stick. He takes a stick and he throws it into the water. You say, what good's that going to do? You'd be right. No good. But on this day, it did good. Do you know what? i got to show you something. I have a piece of iron here. That's just an old railroad nail. If I threw this in water, will it float? Yes or no? How do you know? Have you put it in water? For all you know, this might be made out of styrofoam. If this were made out of styrofoam, would it float? Yeah. This isn't made out of styrofoam. See, look. I'm going to put it here in water. Let's see what happens. Float, float. Yeah, it's not floating. It goes all the way down to the bottom. Is that where it goes? How many of you have ever seen iron float? Some people here have seen iron float? Yeah, I know. We have big ships that are made out of iron that float, right? <laughs> so let me rephrase it. How many of you have ever seen an axe head float? Ever seen an axe head float? 
I haven't seen that. It does just like that nail did. It just drops to the bottom. Well, you know what? When Elisha threw that stick into that Jordan River, do you know what it says the iron did? I love how this is phrased. It says, and the iron did swim. I love how it's worded, but, and, it's, and it's a funny phrase. And it's ludicrous to think of. But this isn't funny or ludicrous. It actually happened. And I don't think people were looking at it saying, that's impossible. They were like, an accident is swimming. You know what I think actually happened? My imagination is running away a little bit here. It swam. That means it floated up to the top and then it swam over to the bank where all he had to do was just bend over and pick it up. Wow. Do you see? God provides. For Elisha says to him, when he threw the stick in, the iron did swim. Therefore Elisha said, take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. Now I was looking for pictures of this. I found a picture of one guy showing him with a stick trying to fish it out. I don't know. He didn't say get a stick and fish it out. He threw the stick in. The iron swam to the point where he could reach in his hand and pick it up. Again, Elisha didn't do that. God did it. God provided. God provided. Remember, the happy family. The father died, leaving debts. The creditor comes to take the two sons into bondage. The woman goes to Elisha and says, says to him, help, what do I do? He says, go, borrow of all your neighbors, pots, all pots that you can gather. Bring them to your house. Go in, shut your door, and take that one little pot of oil you have and fill all the others up. And God provided that day, and all of those pots were filled, such that she was able to take that and go and sell it, and was able to come back and pay that creditor for what he was owed. God provided, didn't he? Remember this, no food. There's dirt in the land. Elisha puts on the fire, put on the pot to seethe. The guy goes out, he picks up, the, picks up the wild gourds. He brings them, he shreds them into the pot, but it's discovered and learned that there's death in the pot. Elisha calmly, with God's help, puts meal into that pot and the death is no longer in the pot for it did no harm. God provided there. Remember then the man who brought his little offering of first fruits, enough for just one man? And it turned out being enough for a hundred men and leftovers. And then the ax said, a, a, a little insignificant thing like an ax head. Does God care about the tools we use? How many of you have been using a tool and it broke on you and ruined your day? You've been using tools and it broke on you? Yeah. I wonder what tool it was. <laughs> it was a borrowed one, I know. A borrowed tool. Some of you kids might identify with that. Borrowed tools. Don't just leave it out in the creek or in the yard, or anywhere else. That's like leaving in the Jordan River. You can't do that. 
But isn't this interesting? Things that are every day to us. Every one of us have lost a tool. Every one of us have had a tool break on us. Do we in those moments remember that God provides? Now, I'm not telling you that if you go out and you lose your axe head in the Jordan River that it's going to swim. But what I am telling you is that these accounts reveal to us that God is all-powerful. God is all-powerful. There is nothing too hard for him. It can be poison. It can be the impossible. It can be raising people from the dead to the point of causing iron to swim. Nothing's impossible for him. And so when you recognize and realize that nothing's impossible for God, we have no reason to fear or fret or to worry, but to simply trust him. Do what we know we ought to do. That's what's interesting in all of these as well. You notice you don't see these people, Elisha come to him and say, there's a dearth, and Elisha goes, abracadabra, poof. Isn't that interesting? No, no, there's work. He goes out. This isn't magic. They're going out and they're working, they're gathering to provide, even when they didn't even know what it was. And it turns out to be poisonous. They're working. They're working at building their houses. They're working at gathering the pots. And, and the Lord's the one who multiplies in all of this. The Lord is the one who provides the miracles in all of this. And just because he did it that day for Elisha or for the sons of the prophets or for that widow woman doesn't guarantee that he's going to do it for you in a miraculous way. But this much you do know. What did we learn back in Philippians? What did we learn? My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. May not be through a miracle. In fact, most likely it won't be through a miracle. But you can know and be sure that the one who can do miracles, and he might do miracles, the one who can has promised that he will meet all your needs. So today as we look at this history, let's rejoice in our God who has made such a wonderful, wonderful promise. Father, thank you so much that we can trust you and rest in you. And may we be encouraged this morning by these sons of the prophets. May we every day bring our little things to you and our big things, knowing that you will provide and trusting, hoping, resting in you. Be with us in the rest of this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.